You are listening to an Elktree Publishing Podcast. Our elves have been hard at work in search for meaningful and compelling content, so we hope you enjoy this show. And now, for our feature presentation. Enjoy. Featuring free-spirited conversation to help build a better future for generations to come. This is Elftree Publishing. I mean, um, I, I want to be careful with this subject because... Wait a second, but tell me, mm-hmm. could you even really run this interview? Because Mav didn't run my interview. Right. You got know what I'm saying? They blocked me out. The Jewish media blocked me out. This shit lit, right? I'm lit, right? I'm lit. I'm lit. You know what I'm saying? J.P. Morgan, I put $140 million into J.P. Morgan, and they treated me like shit. So if J.P. Morgan Chase is treating me like that, how they treating the rest no, of y'all? That's outrageous. Yeah. And this, this murder was for Chase account. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I am outraged. Mm. By the time people always, they want to calm it down. Because no matter what, you didn't yeah. break no law. I didn't break a law. Run. Run. Planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to evacuate is to leave with us is to leave with us. From leaving behind the world of bioterrorism to off the grid and independent living, you're listening to Exit the Cult. Happy Friday, everyone. I'm your host, Joe Morales, and you're listening to Exit the Cult, a podcast dedicated to exposing the lies of the mainstream media to help others wake up to the truth. Let's exit the cult together. It's Friday, October 21st, 2022, a continuation of Ghoul Month. I love October. The weather's perfect right now. It is chilly outside. The leaves are falling, which kind of sucks because I'm going to have to pull out the rake very soon. I want to welcome all of our new listeners and thank all of you who have been listening since the beginning. You guys, since the last show, I was on this hiatus for a while. And then last week we put out our first show and we've had 135 downloads of that show. So it's getting out there organically. This is incredible to me because, you know, it's you just put stuff out in the universe and you never know what's going to happen. So I am very grateful that you guys are listening and spreading the word and sharing the show with y'all friends and fam. The whole point of this is is not to scare anybody. This show's not, I didn't make this show to be just some ranting, you know, crazy man over here. I am a, I'm a real human. I've had a real career in the music industry, in the film industry. To a large degree, I still do. I'm still working in those industries to this very day. I just felt like I needed an outlet to share my perspective on what I'm seeing in this insane world that we are all living in. Because we are in the midst of the Great Reset. We are in the midst of Agenda 2030. If you don't know what those things are, mm, we got to dive into that at some point again, because I think recaps are always good. 
Not going to get into that today because we've already covered it in past shows, but it's just a little nugget for you to go and do some research on if you haven't done it yet. But those are actual programs, the elites. Yes, the elites of the world. Joe, that's a conspiracy. The elites running a world like a pyramid? Yeah, that's exactly what this is. There are elites that run our world at the very tippy top. They own everything and it all trickles down like a big pyramid scheme. That's just how it is. Unfortunately, that is how it is. But yes, they have um, initiated their program, which has been going on for decades, called The Great Reset, and they've finally pulled that trigger. That's what 2020 was. That was actually the major event that signaled to all their friends, it's go time. Let's kill the poor. So boom, we're in it. It's go time for them. And so the entire purpose of the 2020 uh, scandemic was a depopulation agenda, essentially to kill a bunch of oldies who are living off of Social Security so they could most likely take all that money and use it for their own nefarious means. One of those examples would be them sending money over to the Ukraine, billions and billions of dollars to another country. Wow, internally, our country falls apart from the city streets to, uh, to to the homeless epidemic and, um, you know, so on and so forth. We're all living in it. We can all see it. You can't drive down a street in any major city and not see the obvious. Why do we pay taxes and they're not fixing our roads? As simple as that. It's as simple as that. And if you thought they were just going after the old people, you're wrong. They're coming for your children too. And that's where we draw the line. It's out of control. They are out of control. And we'll get into that later because there are new developments pertaining to the child immunization schedule. So your kid can, uh, can't go to school unless they get the little clot shot. The cattle must be tagged with their patented mRNA. But we'll get into that later. I know it's a dark, dark, dark thing to think about because it is. It's very dark. It's, uh, it's absurd. I can't even believe we're talking about this. I can't even believe this is a thing. I, I cannot believe, and I know you can't either, because ultimately everyone just wants to like, unless you're totally asleep and you're just like, oh, the doctors are trying to help us. Their science is what keeps me alive. I'm sorry. We have a differing of opinion. Here at the Exit the Cult show, we don't agree if that's what you think. Anyway, we're going to get into that shit later. Let's get into our cult of the day. Angels Landing. Angel's Landing is the name of the 20-acre compound outside of Wichita, Kansas, where Lou Castro and a small group of people lived an inexplicably extravagant life in the early 2000s. Castro's followers were convinced that he was an angel and a seer who could look into the future and know when you were going to die. Already suspicious of Castro's luxury vehicles and money that no one could explain, there was no paper trail on Castro. Local law enforcement took an active interest when Patricia Hughes, a member of the Angels Landing community, tragically turned up dead on the compound in 2003. Then, when Patricia's husband died in a freak accident in 2006, local detective Ron Goodwin dived into every bit of personal and financial information he could find on the people living at Angels Landing. What he found was disturbing. Expensive life insurance policies were taken out on people in Castro's circle and cashed in by members when someone in the makeshift family, quote, accidentally died. This pattern occurred around every two and a half years, but the detective couldn't find any records for the mysterious leader Castro. 
In 2010, Castro moved from Kansas to Tennessee and adopted a new identity, but he was soon arrested by the FBI for aggravated identity theft and fraudulent use of a social security card number. During Castro's two-year stint in federal prison, Goodwin and the FBI discovered, according to the Wichita Eagle, which is the local paper, that Lou Castro was really Daniel Perez, a man from Texas with many police reports, including a case involving sex crimes against two girls, 11 and 14, until he fled Texas. Not surprised. Through interviews with members of the commune, they uncovered Perez's sexual abuse of women and girls at Angel's Landing, including Sarah McGrath, who alleged that Perez raped her regularly for years. Sadly, she was just one of his many victims. More witnesses came forward accusing Perez of abuse and pointing to him for murdering Patricia Hughes. Perez was charged with 28 felonies, and in February 2015, he was convicted on all counts and sentenced to 80 years in prison. The cult was later profiled in an episode of Oxygen's Deadly Cults. After Trish died, Lou talked to Brian much more than I feel like he did before. Lou talked about death frequently and how going to the other side was the ultimate goal. Nobody could hurt you and you just felt super peaceful and at ease and protected. Brian was a diesel mechanic. I remember Lou telling Brian, you will someday get your chance to go to the other side. Usually, Brian was so safety conscious, but that day, somehow, that jack slipped. Jennifer called me and told me that Brian had been killed. A car fell on him, and he was crushed, and he died. I was bewildered, and I was I was sad. I said, I said, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Trisha's had an accident. Now Brian's had an accident. The people disappearing started making it strange. That day I wake up and my mom goes to work and I was at the house and I tried to call her a couple of times and she just didn't answer. And so I didn't really think anything of it. You know, she was busy, she worked. And then about five o'clock, Lou comes downstairs and he says, Jennifer's been in an accident. And I said, she's dead, isn't she? And he wouldn't answer me. And that really pissed me off. So I go running behind him and I said, what did you do to my mom? What did you do to her? Mom was in a car accident and she had run into a fully loaded down truck and was killed at the point of impact. By this point, Trish had died and Brian had died and they hadn't come back. And now my mom's gone and she's probably not gonna come back either. I felt very alone. Lou used to tell us that he was a thousand years old and that he was an angel himself. He was the reason why everybody came together at Angel's Landing. Lou Castro had all of his followers believing that he was centuries old and that his body was inhabited by angels. That he could make it rain, that he could heal people, and that 
he was this fortune teller. He's a seer and can foresee the future and he could tell you supposedly when you're going to die. And because of Lou, you would come back. It wasn't weird. Lou normalized the thought of death. He talked about it frequently and how going to the other side was the ultimate goal in life. You know, you want to be on the other side. We felt protected and we felt like we were living a good life. At Angel's Landing, we were all like one big happy family. I think it's really important for people to understand that all of these people had vulnerabilities in their lives. Luke Castro was going to be the answer to whatever struggle or tragedy they had in their life. He also made sure that all of the members of Angel's Landing had their needs met. They had this material wealth. Lou Castro was the source for the money that's going to pay for all of these big expensive things. Some members of the Angel's Landing cult had been living really well. We lived this extravagant lifestyle. We had all these cars. We had horses. And it was fun to have all that stuff. But there was always a price to pay for that stuff. I came across a newspaper article from Rapid City, South Dakota, of an obituary for Mona Griffith. And in that obituary, the name Lou Castro appeared as a brother to Mona. In 2001, Mona Griffith and her 12-year-old daughter were on a plane. They had left Rapid City, South Dakota. The plane never arrived at its destination. That plane went down and crashed, killing all three of them. There were some things about the crash that raised some questions about what exactly happened that day. Normally, if you were landing, you would have your flaps down to slow the plane down. But the flaps were up and the landing gear was down. So the plane crash in itself was odd. And knowing that Patricia had also just recently died, connected to a person that you can't identify. You know, my gut feeling at the time was that Lou Castro was involved in something more sinister than just living uh, with unexplained wealth. You are listening to Exit the Cult, only on Elf Tree Publishing. Enjoy. 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 Hey, enjoy. Hey, you. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hey, hey, you. Yeah, you. Enjoy. Yes, you. Enjoy. She could get menacing, frightening, find help. Sometimes I scare myself, myself. Tweaking, tweaking off that 2CB, huh? Is he gonna make it TBD, huh? Thought I was gonna run DMC, huh? 
I done died and lived again on DMT, huh? See, this the type of high that won't come down. This the type of high that get you gunned down. Easy, easy trolling OD, huh? Turn TMZ to smack DVD, huh? Russell Simmons wanna pray for me too. I'ma pray for him cause he got me too. Thinking what if that happened to me too? Then I'm on E News. From the Hollywood Reporter, Drink Champs pulls Kanye West episode due to, quote, false and hurtful comments about George Floyd. Integrity is very important, and we don't want to promote false narratives on our platform, a rep for the podcast told The Hollywood Reporter. Drink Champs, the podcast hosted by NORE and DJ EFN, has taken down a recent episode featuring Kanye Ye West due to the rapper's, quote, false and hurtful comments about the murder of George Floyd, a representative for the podcast told The Hollywood Reporter on Tuesday. Quote, Drink Champs prides itself on its ability to allow a free flow of ideas within the hip-hop community. That being said, unfortunately, the recent interview with Kanye West contained false and hurtful information regarding the circumstances surrounding the murder of George Floyd. Integrity is very important, and we don't want to promote false narratives on our platform. Our goal is to celebrate the culture. Therefore, we had no choice but to remove the episode from distribution. We apologize to the family of Mr. Floyd and anyone else hurt by this episode, end quote. Okay, first of all, that's a total contradiction to that quote that they just literally put out as a PR. Drink Champs prides itself on its ability to allow a free flow of ideas within the hip-hop community. No, they don't, because they just pulled the episode. So they don't. They censor you if they don't agree with what you're saying. It was his opinion. Whether he's right or wrong, it's still an opinion. It's called freedom of speech. But in this day and age, this little woke 2022 season of tyranny we're living under, you know, you don't want BLM coming after you. You don't want the George Floyd cult to come after you. Because if you promote any sort of false narrative, according to them, they will censor you. That's exactly what they did. So Drink Champs does not pride itself on its ability to allow free flow of ideas within the hip hop community because... They censored the Kanye West episode and pulled it from their platform. That right there is what happened. West returned to Revolt's Drink Champs podcast over the weekend and during his three-hour appearance spread misinformation about the death of George Floyd and responded to LeBron James's YouTube show, The Shop's Decision to Pull Its Episode with Him. At various points of the interview, West repeated anti-Semitic conspiracies and during one exchange briefly stated, quote, white lives matter doesn't mean that black lives don't matter. Without further elaboration from either the rapper or the podcast host who asked him about his recent decision to wear a White Lives Matter shirt. But West also repeated misinformation about the cause of Floyd's... Okay, they're already assuming it's misinformation. They don't. They didn't even listen. They always say that's anti-Semitic. The second you say anti-Semitic, everyone's just like, oh, put the earplugs in. I can't listen because the mainstream media said it. It's true. It's anti-Semitic. They don't even know what he's talking about. He's talking about elites. He's talking about the people that control the world. He's not talking about Jews in general. So people don't even understand. You, they're drink champs. These guys are sitting in, a, in, a, in an interview with a multi-billionaire hip-hop star who's been controversial his entire career. But he has incredible things to say. Mind you, this interview happened post him being on Tucker Carlson and already creating a controversy and the whole anti-Semitic thing coming up. What did they think was going to happen? He was just going to come on the show and, you know, just keep it cool and easy and, and just chill and not talk about the things he truly wants to talk about? Come on. And so they call him anti-Semitic. Incredible. 
because he wore a White Lives Matter shirt. What does that tell you? And he even said, I'm not saying that black lives don't matter. He's shining a big old spotlight on a massive, a massive problem that's going on in America. It's global, but it's mainly here in America because Americans are completely propagandized above the neck. We're all drowning in propaganda in this country. Everybody. We're in Soviet USSA. That's where we're at. <laughs> I'm actually curious when people like Kanye are going to start suing the hell out of all these news networks for calling him anti-Semitic. That's called slander, you guys. That is a thing. It's slander. I mean, the thing that pisses me off the most about this, and I know I'm getting passionate, I know I'm getting passionate, it's the fact that they pull these episodes so no one can listen to them, and then they just blast these articles. He's anti-Semitic. They, they say everything they want to say about it. They want to put all this propaganda about it, but they don't allow you, a free-thinking human, to go assess it for yourself. Because if you go and actually listen to the transcript of that podcast, you can take all and highlight all you want and you can agree or disagree with it. But no, they don't even give you that option. They pull it and then they put out their propaganda to manipulate you. They cherry pick the shit and they don't, they don't even let you have context for what he's saying. They'll just take a quote and say, boom, 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 anti-Semitic. It's, it's disingenuous. There's low integrity in that. It's, it's just really sad. You can't have an opinion unless you stay within the confines of group think. That's a big-ass problem for the Illuminati. The powers that shouldn't be. They don't want you questioning anything. They don't want you thinking outside of the lines. It's insane. Censorship is absolutely insane. Let's continue. But West also repeated misinformation about the cause of Floyd's death to the host after Nori called back to the rapper previously disputing that convicted murderer and former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin kneeled on Floyd's neck. While referencing a documentary released by conservative activist Daily Wire, host and former Turning Point USA spokesperson Candace Owens, the rapper claimed that Floyd's death was related to fentanyl in his system, among other inaccurate statements. Let's not forget the Daily Wire was started by an Orthodox Jew their head editor, Ben Shapiro. I actually agree with a lot of the stuff that Ben Shapiro puts out. But nevertheless, this documentary came out on his network. Here is Kanye West in a clip from Drink Champs talking about it. I watched the George Floyd documentary that Candace Owens put up. One of the things that his two roommates said was, they want a tall guy like me. They want a tall guy like me. And the day when he died, he said a prayer for, you know, eight minutes. He said a prayer for eight minutes. They hit him with the fentanyl. If you look, the, the guy's knee wasn't even on his neck like that. When he said, mama, mama his, is his girlfriend. They said he screamed for his mama. Mama was his girlfriend. It's in the documentary. But something that hit me, that fucked me up when I was watching the documentary, and it said... They want a tall guy like me. When I looked at that image of him, this tall black dude with the bald head, he reminded me of somebody else. Who do you think he reminded me of? Virgil. He reminded me of Virgil. They're referring to fashion designer with Louis Vuitton, Virgil Abloh, who was a close friend and associate with Kanye West. Um, Virgil passed away in 2021. You know what I'm saying? I'm not finna cry in front of y'all because that's how they get me, right? But I know that we lost him. And I know that this white company, Louis Vuitton, is now making statues of him, like as a martyr. And we don't know why exactly. We say it's cancer. 
But I yeah. mean, I mean, um, all right, I want to be careful with this subject because. Wait a second, but tell me, mm-hmm. could you even really run this interview? Because Mav yeah. didn't run my interview. Right. You know what I'm saying? They blocked me out. The Jewish media blocked me out. This shit lit, right? I'm lit, right? I'm lit. I'm lit. You know what I'm saying? JP Morgan, I put $140 million into JP Morgan and they treated me like shit. So if JP Morgan Chase is treating me like that, how they treating the rest no, of y'all? That's outrageous, yeah. And this this murder was with Chase accounts. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I am outraged. Mm-hmm. By the time people always they want to calm it down. Because no matter what, you didn't yeah. break no law. I didn't break a law. No matter I didn't what, break the, a law. The bank shouldn't be a judge or jury on right. anything that's but going on. But this is right. it's, it's like a social contract. Candace Owens has a word for it. I'm forgetting. But it's basically like they told Candace Owens she couldn't hang out with me. Floyd's death was ruled a homicide by the Hennepin County Medical Examiner's Office in June 2020. Chauvin, who pled guilty to violating a federal criminal civil rights statute on two occasions, was convicted of murder and manslaughter in April 2021. The medical examiner said Floyd, quote, experienced a cardiopulmonary arrest or that his heart had stopped, an event complicated by police restraining him and compressing his neck. While a toxicology report found fentanyl in Floyd's system, it was not identified as part of his cause of death. They also found methamphetamine in his system, but for whatever reason, they left that out of this article. At the top of the podcast, a disclaimer noting that the show provides a platform for creatives to express their personal views and or opinions without restriction or censorship. It adds that all views and opinions are solely those of the individuals expressing such a view or opinion. It was restricted. It was censored. There it is. End of the show. Drink champs. You're done. And I got to reiterate, like, I'm not even a huge fan of Kanye West. I, I like him because he's an artist and he's saying what he wants, what comes from his soul. He is speaking his truth. Love it or hate it. It doesn't matter. He's being censored. That is a massive problem. Why are there powers that be that don't think that you should have the right to think for yourself and make your own assessment of that. They want to shape your thoughts. They want to shape your opinion. They want to shape your mind. This is an enslavement tactic. It's fascist. And to be honest, I actually like Drink Champs. I think it's a good show. They have great interviews. The guys are hilarious. But this censorship stuff has gone too far. It's it's too much. It's become too ridiculous. You can't say this. You can't say that. You can't say this. You can't say that. People clutching their pearls. It's pathetic. West's latest appearance comes nearly a year after he was first a guest on the Revolt TV podcast. It also comes less than a week after The Shop pulled its episode with the rapper over his use of hate speech, declining to reveal what West said in a conversation that was booked and recorded weeks ago. Before his episode of The Shop was pulled, West was condemned by members of Hollywood, the fashion industry, and major Jewish organizations in and outside of the entertainment industry for some of his recent statements. Those speaking out against him included Jamie Lee Curtis, who first said in a Twitter statement that West's, quote, words hurt and incite violence, and then told the Today Show that they were abhorrent. Well, um, when you do talk about hatred, this actually is very timely for what's happening right now because... Kanye West tweeted um, on uh, just recently. Listen how dramatic she is. <laughs> Kanye West tweeted um, on uh, just recently, and I, I'll read it. Was, his, it was yesterday. Yesterday. Yesterday morning. He wrote, I woke up to this. 
Yeah, this is what he said, in case people don't know. I'm a bit sleepy tonight, but when I wake up, I'm going death con three on Jewish people. And then he goes on to say, the funny thing is, I can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jew also. You guys have... Anyway, he goes on. You saw that. No, no, no. Okay, so real quick, she didn't read the entire tweet or dissect it. So here's what he says in his tweet. Quote, I'm a bit sleepy tonight, but when I wake up, I'm going death con three on, all caps, Jewish people. The funny thing is, I actually can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jews also. You guys have toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone who ever opposes your agenda. End quote. That's what he says. And when he capitalizes Jewish people, his point isn't the Jewish people in general. He's talking about very specific people. So who could those people be? They just assume, oh, he's talking about the Jews that, that Nazi Germany put on trains and gassed. That's, it's so ridiculous. It's childish. It's childish. And yes, if that's who he was actually talking about, it'd be horrific. It'd be absolutely disgusting. But that's not who he's referring to. It is not. You saw that tweet and you responded immediately saying this. Also, on October 9th, the holiest day in Judaism was last week. Words matter. A threat to Jewish people ended once in genocide. Your words hurt and incite violence. You are a father. Please stop. I burst into tears. I woke up and burst into tears. DEFCON 3 on Jewish people? DEFCON 3 on Jewish people? It's like the fakest fake cry I've ever seen on, on TV. But, I mean, the thing is, is I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, one of my favorite movies she was in ever was uh, True Lies. She's fucking hilarious. Her, she's either completely ignorant to what he's saying, which I think that's the case. I have to believe that. Otherwise, she's absolutely evil and gaslighting the public. What are you doing? This is, it's, it's, I mean, it's bad enough that fascism is on the rise around the world. Is it? What kind of fascism? Is it conservative people? People that want truth? Is that what she's talking about? People who are calling out the radical leftists? The liberals? And again, it's not even like normal liberalism. Like crazy leftists, communists. Is that who she's talking about? People who want transparency? But on Twitter, on a, on a portal to pour that in as if Jewish people haven't had it hard enough, yeah. as if Asian people, I mean, everything everywhere all at once is a movie about yeah. an immigrant Asian family. I mean, if Asian people haven't had enough. What is she talking about? Jamie, leave the Asians out of this. We're talking about Kanye, okay? Come on, leave the Asians out. I mean, it was just abhorrent. Mm -hmm. It's abhorrent. And... You know, I'm selling a horror movie. Yeah. I mean, it's a movie. People love them. Horror lets you confront what you can't yeah. control. Yeah. And people use that as a way to sort of exorcise their own anxiety. I get it. Uh, horror movies are created to scare the shit out of people. They're there as psychological tools to get in people's psyches. I mean, really, think about how many people grew up watching the Halloween movies and have serious psychological fears of like turning the lights off at night when they come home late at night by themselves and seeing Michael Myers in the shadows. Like people seriously have psychological issues because of horror movies. But no, no, you take no responsibility. It's just art. I mean, one could argue it's just a tweet, Jamie. And you don't even understand what he's talking about. It's just a tweet. You don't even have to follow him. The only reason Jamie Lee Curtis knew about that tweet is because the news told her. I've interviewed you a number so of times. So many times. I have never seen your eyes well up oh, in I'm anger sorry. like that. I literally, yeah, I woke up that. and was, I thought, my grandparents? Yeah. 
I mean, if you can't see through this, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, this is such a put on. These are fake tears. I'm sorry. This is fake emotion. This is her on national television putting on a performance. Seriously. I woke up that. and was, I thought, my grandparents? Yeah. Yeah. It just, it's, it's, it's just abhorrent. Yeah. It's abhorrent behavior. I hope he gets help. I hope his children get mm-hmm. help from him. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's terrible. Yeah. It's been a, it's, it's, it's caused a lot, a ton and ton of reaction. And, so and if we aren't reacting, yeah. who are we? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen to her slapping her lap. She's like saying all this stuff and smacking. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. What does it say about people who aren't reacting? Yeah. Who woke up right. and read that <laughs> and thought, oh, what are you having for breakfast? It's just, it's, yeah. it's a big concern. Yeah. You know, these tools of communication mm-hmm. are beautiful and they can connect mm-hmm. us and then they can just mm-hmm. wedge us mm-hmm. and uh, you, people can pour their yeah. bile yeah. through these portals into our lives. Into our- and teenagers. Yeah. They're on the receiving end a lot. Teenagers who are yeah. so vulnerable. Okay, so there is Jamie Lee Curtis putting her bile out onto a portal. Um, and then here was her shortly after that, I think a day later, she was on the Jess Cagle show. And um, here's what she had to say on that show. By the way, thank you for speaking out about his anti-Semitic comments, which I feel like that guy in particular, there's another one, Ricky Gervais. Ah, yeah, Ricky Gervais. We all remember him. He speaks truth. He actually called out Hollywood for being so uh, connected to the Jeffrey Epstein freak who uh, went to jail for raping girls out on his island and a lot of Hollywood was going out there with him. And literally, this is what Hollywood does. They come after you if you speak out against them. They're demons. They're demons. But anyway, I digress. These people say terrible things a lot. And I feel like as an industry, people just let it slide. And I'm so well, glad you spoke out. We all we are inured to it. We have these devices in our hands and we are looking at tragedies. We're watching the war in Ukraine. We're waking up to images of of people, you know, on the streets of Ukraine who uh, have survived these rocket attacks. And then we're watching duck memes. Of course, another um, example of Jamie's ignorance doesn't even understand that the government of Ukraine is a complete puppet administration that was installed under Hillary Clinton and Obama. But that's that's not a big deal. We won't we won't we won't look at that. We won't even discuss that. No, 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 no. Where people are, you know, and then we are watching. Um, then we get a feed where, where this person puts up, and not, not just anti-Semitic. Violent. Defcon three yeah. on Jewish people. That's been done before. Again, that's not what Kanye was talking about. It's called the Holocaust, and that that. Every single person on Twitter, every single person on Twitter didn't rise up and say, you just can't say that. That's not okay. You can have your opinion. And by the way, I've seen the doc. He was, you know, his early hustle and stuff. It's fantastic. But you can't say that. Defcon 3 on Jewish people. So I'm, 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 uh. Uh, I'm, I, I, I woke up, I'm Sean, my hairdresser came into my room. I had just read it. I'm in New York city. And the two of us just burst into tears. I mean, we were sobbing. <laughs> you guys, I don't want to be roasting Jamie. I, like I said, I really love her work, but she's living in a bubble. 
she's in a bubble. My, my, my hairdresser came into my room. How, how often do you wake up at home with your hairdresser coming into your room being like, Jamie, did you see the news? Did you see what Kanye said? That fuck. <laughs> anyways, anyways. <clears throat> oh, your outfit looks cute. I like that. Do you want some coffee? They're living in a different reality. I had just read it. I'm in New York City. And the two of us just burst into tears. I mean, we were sobbing, holding each other. Like, what is happening? And so, I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I hope we all, you know, have, it's a lesson. It's just a lesson. It is a lesson indeed. It's a lesson about looking deeper into things. Perhaps not getting so emotionally triggered right off the bat. Maybe, maybe looking into the context of what someone's talking about. That's the lesson. We got, we got to stand up to it. If we can't stand up to it, we're in trouble. I.E. censorship. There you have it. Jamie Lee Curtis, everybody. Tis a freaky Friday indeed. So the uh, documentary that Kanye West was referring to throughout this interview was The Greatest Lie Ever Told. George Floyd and the rise of BLM. I'm going to play the trailer, but I recommend you guys go watch the, it's like an hour and 20 minute documentary. It's great. I will put it in the show notes. So be sure to watch that and come up with your own conclusions. What do you think happened? What do you actually think happened? Because I think it's important to look at all of the perspectives and not just what the uh, mainstream media wants you to believe. So Black Lives Matter released their 990 IRS filings. They collected $80 million. Where is that money? It's not here. Everything looks worse than it was. Where have you seen that money impacted throughout the city? <laughs> so my producer just sent me a link. It is just shocking to me because of how much money was raised to think that where he lived, the bills weren't being covered. Super frustrating, but that's a dead end, so. And here's where it gets really interesting. Ready for some BLM pride? Another 200K went to escorts, BDSM workers, strippers, peep show workers, phone sex operators, and webcam performers. And then at that moment, it became personal. And I thought, not only am I going to say the truth, <laughs> I am going to scream the truth louder than you can scream the lies. That's incredible that the majority of the world hasn't seen this. So there you have it. Definitely a very interesting documentary. And I can completely understand why Kanye West has his opinions on the official narrative. So it's called journalism, you guys. Kenneth Owens is a journalist and she is investigating the official mainstream narrative of the circumstances surrounding the death of George Floyd. And I think that's important for his family, for justice, um, not going to lie, it was hard watching that video of him being arrested. But the fact of the matter is, is he had enough fentanyl in his system to kill him. And he also had methamphetamines in his body. So he was, he took a cocktail of drugs and no one's really paying much attention to that. That's a big deal. From NPR to tag on to our last segment about Kanye, the family of George Floyd plans to file a $250 million lawsuit against Yee. 
The family of George Floyd announced Tuesday that they will file a $250 million lawsuit against Yee, the rapper formerly known as Kanye West, following comments he made about Floyd's death on the podcast Drink Champs. That has been censored. From TMZ, Candace Owens, Drink Champs, could be pulled into $250 million lawsuit. Daughter is traumatized. Candace Owens just responded to what Gianna's legal team told us, saying, quote, What I love so much about George Floyd family's lawyers is how they keep talking to TMZ about lies in my documentary, but keep neglecting to specify what the lies were. My documentary told no lies. They are simply angry that we expose theirs and are running PR for BLM. The George Floyd story was the greatest lie ever spun by our media. My documentary successfully exposed their lies and people are understandably shocked at how twisted and sick our media is and their commitment to control the masses, end quote. There may be more people who have to answer for what Kanye West said about George Floyd. Candace Owens, NORE, and Diddy's Revolt TV could soon be in the hot seat too. The legal team repping Floyd's younger daughter, Gianna, tells TMZ any and all possible defendants are on the table as they continue to explore their options and what will be a mega lawsuit regarding comments made on Drink Champs. One of the attorneys, Kay Williams, says Candace is an obvious would-be co-defendant as the remarks he made were a direct reflection of stuff she put out in her new documentary, The Greatest Lie Ever Sold. Williams says there are blatant lies mentioned in the film. So what are those lies? Nuru Witherspoon, another lawyer on the case, says Yee's comments have re-traumatized Gianna all over again, and she's being exposed to the new content. George Floyd's daughter's like seven or eight years old. She shouldn't be even near the Drink Champs interview. Who showed it to her? I think that's all made up. I don't even think she's seen it. I think it's literally her attorneys using that as part of the storyline to get people sympathy. Whatever. Witherspoon notes that while they mentioned suing for defamation in their press release, the actual suit would be rooted in intentional infliction of emotional distress and misappropriation because you can't legally defame a dead person and ye didn't mention George's family. Still, both Williams and Witherspoon make it clear it's open season for anyone who perpetuated lies about George Floyd. Candace and Kanye are the clear targets. However, you have to imagine the folks behind Drink Champs Revolt TV included could be in their crosshairs as well. One final member of the team, attorney Pax Dixon III, gets into even more detail about what exactly Gianna is going through emotionally, not to mention her mother. He tells us they're going down this road to preserve George's legacy for both him and his family. They don't want those murals coming down. Like we said, the suit hasn't been filed yet, but Gianna's lawyers have already signaled an amount of money they want. At least $250 million. Unbelievable. That's a little excessive. That's a little more than just, I'm re-traumatized. It's all about money now. We want money. Imagine how much money his daughter got through this entire ordeal. I believe Kanye gave $2 million and paid for her entire college tuition. And now they're coming back to sue him, potentially revolt TV, drink champs, Candace Owens for 250 mil. It's always about the money. It's always about the money. Are those Floyd family lawyers rubbing their hands right now? One of the oldest stories on earth is that this place is victim to a recurrent cataclysmic event, akin to a reset button that can send advanced civilizations back to the Stone Age in a geological instant. The Great Flood and Sodom and Gomorrah of the Bible 
the three cataclysms of the Vishnu Purana, the sinking of Atlantis and Lemuria. The history of the world is rich with stories of cataclysms. The Five Sons of the Aztec teaches that the present world was preceded by four other cycles of creation and destruction. According to official records from commander of Project Nanook, Major Maynard White, the U.S. government discovered in the late 1940s that the Earth undergoes major magnetic flips about every 10,000 to 12,000 years, which causes the surface of the Earth to catastrophically shift in the space of one day. This information was officially kept from the public. The mysterious Great Pyramid of Giza was built with dimensions that memorialize the golden ratio, pi, and the speed of light and along with the Sphinx, forms a working clock of the Great Year. The Great Year is the astronomical cycle of the equinoxes around the ecliptic, a cycle that repeats just about every 26,000 years, leading many to speculate that the cataclysm is a somewhat fixed event in this cycle of time. Many researchers believe that the Great Pyramid, along with several other ancient structures that memorialize the Great Year, were built to warn us about the recurrent cataclysm. Our sun has its own recurrent cycles, and in almost every cataclysm story throughout history, the sun plays a major role. Researchers have found 11, 88, 200, and 2,400 year cycles, which involve the oscillation between solar minimum and solar maximum. Solar maximum being when the sun exhibits the most sunspot and solar flare activity. Many researchers now believe that this cycle leads up to a recurrent nova of our own sun. Recurrent novas have been observed all over the night sky. The mainstream theory is that stars become congested with atmospheric material and eventually expel this material in an explosive outburst. And there is much evidence that our own sun experiences these recurrent novas, which likely is related to the solar flare and sunspot cycles. The latest research tells us that the sun is more electrical than it is nuclear fusion, and that it has an electromagnetic relationship with the Earth. This would suggest that the magnetic reversals of the Earth occurs when the sun novas. And so the big question is, when will that be? Douglas Vogt has been studying this subject for decades and predicts that a recurrent nova will next occur in 2046. He arrived at this date based on sun cycles, as well as biblical coding. The Mayan long count calendar began in 3113 BC and was marked by days, not years. 1,872,000 days. Nearly all sources brought the Mayan calendar to an end in 2012 by dividing the number of days by 365.24 days in the year. But Jason Brashears of Archaics.com points out the fact that prior to 713 BC, there were 360 days in the year. In 713 BC, all the civilizations of the world changed their calendars to add five days. In Persia, these extra five days became known as the bad luck days. In ancient Mexico, the useless days. And for the ancient Maya, the unlucky days. When we adjust accordingly, 
We have 864,000 days before the calendar change and 1,008,000 days after, which brings the Mayan calendar to an end in 2046. This also raises the question, what happened in 713 BC? According to the Bible, 86,000 people were killed by an angel that year, followed by God moving the sun by 10 degrees. Perhaps one of these cataclysms occurred that year. Ben Davidson of Suspicious Observers has been closely analyzing all this scientific data, and based on the rate of decline of Earth's magnetic field, he concludes that the solar nova will occur between 2040 and 2060. This is one of the oldest stories on Earth, and if it is true, then it would explain why so many people are convinced the world is going to end in 20 years. It would explain the entire man-made global warming cover story. It would explain the United Nations Agenda 2030. It would explain why Ray Kurzweil estimated the transhumanist singularity for 2045. And it would explain the entire outrageous, desperate transhumanist goals of the World Economic Forum. For if this is true, it would mean they are attempting to achieve the impossible, maintaining their power throughout the Earth's Great Reset. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. So there you have it. There you have it. You're listening to Exit the Colts. Welcome back. From the Gateway Pundit, breaking... CDC votes to recommend COVID-19 shots for children and adolescents' annual immunization schedule in 15 unanimous votes. On Wednesday, the Gateway Pundit reported that the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices voted to include the COVID-19 vaccine as part of the Vaccines for Children, the VCF program. The VCF program is a federally funded program that provides vaccines at no cost to children who might not otherwise be vaccinated because of their inability to pay, according to the CDC. The CDC buys vaccine at a discounted rate for distribution to registered VFC providers. Children who are eligible for VFC vaccines are entitled to receive those vaccines recommended by the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, the ACIP. The advisory committee voted 15 to 0 without objection. The ACIP recommends the use of COVID-19 vaccines for everyone ages 6 months and older. COVID-19 vaccine and other vaccines may be administered on the same day. The vote is not a mandate, but when state or local authorities form their school activity requirements, they often cite the CDC schedule. Once CDC approves it, our Department of Health can exercise its rulemaking authority to add it to the school schedule at any time. Robert Kennedy Jr. explained everything why this vaccine should not be added to the immunization schedule. So they're never going to market a vaccine, allow people access to a vaccine, an approved vaccine, without getting liability protection. Now, the, the emergency use authorization vaccines have liability protection under the PREP Act and under the CARES Act. So as long as you take an emergency use, you can't sue them. Once they get approved, now you can sue them, unless they can get it recommended for children. What? Because 
because all vaccines that are recommended, officially recommended for children get liability protection, even if an adult gets that vaccine. That's why they're going after kids. They know this is going to kill and injure a huge number of children, but they need to do it for the liability protection. These companies are fucking disgusting. But if I was a criminal big pharma corporation, I'd be doing the same exact thing. They know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. The Gateway Pundit's Brian Lupo reported on Wednesday that COVID-19 was responsible for 1,304 deaths from individuals 0 to 17 years of age, according to Statista.com. This accounts for 00.1% of all COVID deaths in the United States. It's worth noting that 0 to 17 is a sample size double the other groups, which are spread out among nine-year increments. It is also worth noting that 00.1% of deaths, not cases. Also, according to Statista.com, the USA has reported 15.2 million cases in children under 18. This would suggest a mortality rate of 00.0085% among 0 to 17-year-old children. Despite this, the CDC voted unanimously to implement vaccine mandates for children to go to school. Again, the ones who voted to force your children to be the subject of this experiment were not themselves voted in to their position by the people of the United States. There are still no long-term side effects studies. There is no FDA-approved COVID vaccine available in the United States. The most recent vaccine booster was tested on just eight mice. All of them reportedly caught COVID. Below is the most recent data collected by VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, which is claimed to about 1% to 10% of actual events. These numbers are exponentially larger from the two years of COVID vaccines than all other vaccine injuries reported. 31,470 deaths, 180,382 hospitalizations, 136,809 urgent care, 208,368 doctor office visits, 10,087 anaphylaxis, 16,140 Bell's palsy, 5,095 miscarriages, 16,891 heart attacks, 53,114 myocarditis, pericarditis, 58,847 permanently disabled, 34,395 life-threatening events, 45,080 severe allergic reaction, 14,880 shingles. That's insane. And like they said, that's 1% to 10% reported to VAERS. That's just 1% to 10%. Meanwhile, in New York, they are running PSA commercials urging parents to check their kids for myocarditis, a side effect reported from the vaccine. The Gateway Pundit has documented people that are suddenly dying. More young athletes have died in the last 18 months than in the last 40 years. The surging number of cases of myocarditis, 17-year-olds finding six-foot-long blood clots, and we still don't even know the long-term effects. It's incredible. I mean, why anybody would even mess with these vaccines anymore and take their children, especially your children? You've got to be kidding me. At this point, if you don't realize, like, you're fine if you get COVID, you're going to be fine. It's a coronavirus. This one's, this one's worse. And now they're talking about XBB, this new variant. Of course, created in a lab by the terrorists. Gain of function. Killed eight out of the ten mice. It's above and beyond um, criminal. 
And I know we've discussed this many times on the show. If you are a parent and you are going to give up your child for this experiment where these companies are doing everything in their power to be liability free, you are absolutely insane. History will not look at you kindly. So, despite the censorship, George Floyd's family announces $250 million lawsuit against Kanye West over false drink champs comments. What's interesting about this is after the death of George Floyd, um, he basically, Kanye West basically paid $2 million, I believe, to BLM and um, also covered uh, George Floyd's daughter's college tuition. But no, 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 that wasn't enough. Now they're coming after him for $250 million, an absurd, obscene amount of money. They must have taken some notes after Alex Jones's sham uh, show trial, where he was fined basically a billion dollars for defamation or it's unbelievable. Like we're in such upside down times. It's incredible. It's incredible. So before we close things out with our last article, I wanted to play a trailer. I watched the movie today, this morning. It's incredible. I'll put a link into the show notes. Um, You get an exclusive preview or screening of of the film. All you have to do is put your name in and an email and you have access to the film for free. It's called The Real Anthony Fauci. Um, It's based on the book by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who you heard in that clip earlier. And um, this movie sums up everything that's going on with the pandemic. So if you've been confused, if you have no idea really how do all these puzzle pieces fit together, where's the fraud, I need proof, explain this to me. Why do people keep saying Anthony Fauci's a fraud? This explains it all. You ha- It's a must-see film. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. It's an absolute nail in the coffin to the narrative that we've been fed. The very word secrecy is repugnant. The dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweigh the dangers which are cited to justify it. This book is a product of my own struggle to understand how the idealistic institutions our country built to safeguard both public health and democracy suddenly turned against our citizens and our values with such violence. I am a lifelong Democrat whose family has had 80 years of deep engagement with America's public health bureaucracy and long friendships with key federal regulators, including Anthony Fauci, Francis Collins, and Robert Gallo. Members of my family wrote many of the statutes under which these men govern. They nurtured the growth of equitable and effective public health policies and defended that regulatory bulwark against ferocious attacks funded by industry. I built my own alliances with these individuals and their agencies during my years of environmental and public health advocacy. I watched these figures often with admiration. Quiet on the set. Amber speed. Take one. 
but I also watched how the industry, supposedly being regulated, used its indentured servants on Capitol Hill and its financial clout to systematically hollow out those agencies beginning in the 1980s, disabling their regulatory function and transforming them into sock puppets for the very industry Congress charged them with regulating. I explore the carefully planned militarization and monetization of medicine that has left American health ailing and its democracy shattered. I chronicle the troubling role of the dangerously concentrated mainstream media. You're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. Big tech robber barons, the military and intelligence communities, and their deep historical alliance with Big Pharma and the public health agencies. The disturbing story that unfolds here has never been told, and many in power have worked hard to prevent the public from learning it. The principal character is Anthony Fauci. From InfoWars, breaking exclusive, Alex Jones demands new trial and powerful announcement. Radio host Alex Jones is launching a new trial to stop globalists from using the Sandy Hook show trial verdict, now known as the, quote, Alex Jones precedent to shut down conservative and populist voices. Quote, this is a rape of the First Amendment, said Jones Friday in his exclusive statement to the Alex Jones show. Our Declaration of Independence and our Bill of Rights are under massive attack. We are filing for a new trial. This was not a real trial. It was a massive fraud, end quote. And it was. They didn't allow him to present any evidence whatsoever. He wasn't allowed to talk about the New World Order. He wasn't allowed to say whatever the hell he wants to say. Like, let him just say what he wants to say. If their, if their actual trial is legit, they're going to find him guilty. If they believe he's actually guilty, they would find him guilty. But why not let him present the evidence and the witnesses that he wants to? They wouldn't let him do it. It was a complete sham. Constitutional lawyer Norm Pattis joined the exclusive announcement to break down the legal landscape he plans to traverse to earn Jones a just verdict while explaining exactly how the show trial jury was misinformed and even had their emotions exploited. Quote, We remain optimistic. We remain in the fight. I'm very determined to see this one through to the end and to a successful outcome. End quote. Announcement that affects every American and our free speech. The ADL, the Southern Poverty Law Center, the Deep State is openly all over international television and U.S. television and the newspapers saying they're going to use the Alex Jones precedent to shut down all conservatives, all populists, and Kanye West next. The lawyers suing Kanye West for 200 plus million dollars for simply talking about the coroner's report that they thought fentanyl probably killed him and that he didn't have any other injuries that would have killed him. That lawyer said, we're doing this off the Alex Jones precedent because the, quote, jury just found in Connecticut that Alex Jones made money by telling lies. So that's how they have this 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 new legal system. It, it's, it's absolute garbage. And Norm Pattis is one of the top constitutional lawyers in the country. Let you know how good he is. The former you know, top lawyer in the country hired him to represent him, uh, uh, famously Mr. Spence. So he's a top lawyer. When he's telling you this, he's not just saying it because he's, he's my lawyer and I'm his client. This is a rape of the First Amendment this country was founded on July 4, 1776. So our Declaration of Independence, 
our Bill of Rights that came later, is all under massive attack. We are filing for a new trial. This was not a real trial. It was a massive fraud. In the next few hours, he's going to file for the new trial. He's going to give you an exclusive right now on what they really did and read from the filing that will be filed in a matter of hours. This is major exclusive breaking news. I'm going to hand the baton uh, back to Owen Schroyer and to Norm Pattis for this exclusive information. Norm Pattis, please recap and give them the exclusive information from the filing and why this is so incredibly serious and what they really did. They said that I sent people to pee on children's graves. They had no witnesses. They never saw it. They have no proof I sent them. They have no proof I sent anyone anywhere. It's all a giant fraud. Norm Pattis. I hand the baton to you and Owen Troyer. Yeah, the, you know, the, the trial was deeply distressing. There was a default on discovery grounds, and then the, the, the certain facts were deemed, quote-unquote, established. Um, and the plaintiffs were able to persuade the judge to, that, that you, meaning Alex Jones and Free Speech Systems, were responsible for any harm that befell a plaintiff. And so when a witness testified, somebody called and said that someone peed on my grave, that became proof that Alex sent them. I have never seen a trial in which that was permitted even in the context of a hearing in default. The law is clear. Plaintiffs are required to prove that the damages they seek are related to the liability they assert. The court abandoned its gatekeeping function to assure that competent evidence come in, comes in only, and the result was a slaughter. So let me read from the pleadings. Um, you know, we the, the disciplinary default itself was was was, was outrageous. Um, the court has to consider um, proportionality in the violation. In this case, Infowars and Alex gave tens of thousands of documents, scores of hours of depositions, other pleadings and whatnot, um, and the plaintiffs were free to use them. But at trial, Alex and his defense and his and his team were unable to use those very items to defend him. So we write. The default in this case was disproportionate. The appropriate course would have been assuming, but for argument's sake, that the court's conclusion that the defendants failed substantially to comply with discovery was um, um, would, would be to instruct the jury that in a trial involving um, damages, the jury was free to draw adverse inferences from failure to comply. That, that's a lot, a, lot of, a lot of gobbledygook. Let me read it to you simply. Entering a default where the defendants appeared, produced documents, attended depositions, answered requests to admit, and otherwise responded to requests for production gave the plaintiffs a deadly advantage. They were able to use information provided by the defendant to argue for damages in a case where the defendants were deprived of any right to challenge the use to which the plaintiffs put that information. The result was the functional equivalent of execution by a Chinese firing squad with the defendants required to pay the cost of the bullets used to kill them. And, you know, I chose my words carefully. I, I will appear in the highest courts of the land to defend these propositions. Again, Mr. Jones was held to have sent people to harass a plaintiff. There is, you know, in, in, and I write in the, in the pleading, in the weeks of testimony, the plaintiffs did not prove by competent evidence that Mr. Jones ever sent anyone to harass a plaintiff or that anyone who listened to him heeded a call from him to harass a plaintiff. The jury was instructed, however, that liability had been established. A disciplinary default was transformed into a fatal impression that somewhere, someone had somehow proven that Mr. Jones did exactly what the plaintiffs alleged. Um, there was no such proof. The court sided with the plaintiffs, keeping the truth from the jury and permitting jurors to labor under the false impression that a finding had been made that Mr. Jones had in fact caused harm. 
Not one witness in the case appeared to testify that they harassed a plaintiff at the behest of Mr. Jones. Neither did Mr. Jones himself harass a plaintiff. Indeed, Mr. Jones only ever broadcast the name of one plaintiff, Robbie Parker. The closest thing the jury saw to harassing conduct was videos of Dan Bedande, an InfoWars employee, and Wolfgang Halbig, a man who to this day denies that the Sandy Hook shootings took place, haranguing Newtown officials over their cover-up and participation in a hoax. No plaintiff was present at that at that and, event. And, and, and Norm, just let me let me interject one little factotum here because I think it's relevant. The individual whose name Jones mentioned did a TV press conference. So he goes on TV and puts his name and face out there and you're not allowed to say it. Well, it doesn't, you know, let, let's just leave that aside. I mean, Mr. Parker's name got used. Okay, fine. There were videos and, you know, could 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 you all have done a better job of covering that? I think the jury could reasonably conclude you could have. But that's the only name that ever got mentioned. The only other testimony about an individual arguably connected to Jones harassing a plaintiff was about a man named Mark Mills. Mark Mills appeared on the show in February one year after storming a Super Bowl press conference to claim that 9-11 was an inside job sponsored by the government. Fifteen months later, he turned up at a Sandy Hook event. There's no evidence that he was sent there by InfoWars, that he was ever on the InfoWars payroll. And then it was suggested to the jury that he was arrested at that event, and he was. But when he pled guilty um, to a, an offense, he pled guilty to interfering with a police officer. So the jury was left with the impression that Mills was sent by Jones because it was established by the default. It, he wasn't. There was no evidence of that whatsoever. So at some point... You know, the, the, and we write, given the law of default imposed by the court, these rules were unavailing. Everything was Mr. Jones's fault. The trial court wholly abandoned its responsibility to assure a fair trial and um, conducted according to the rules of evidence take place. The trial was transformed into a memorial service. Um, and, you know, the, the you know, I go on and on. So, I mean, we, we feel pretty strongly. We've asserted 10 grounds uh, for uh, a new trial. In, including the plaintiff's counsel's treatment of Alex and its demeaning of him, its haranguing of him, its argumentative and to wholly unprofessional cross-examination of him. Um, and we are confident that if we're not given a new trial by the trial court, we will be by the appellate court. You know, we're lucky that most of us in this country have never had to experience actual fascism. We've never had to experience actual desperation in our everyday lives. We've never really had to deal with an authoritarian, totalitarian regime hell-bent on crushing us and destroying our economy. But we're about to go through it. You're in it now. And the signs are all around you. And it's, it's actually heartbreaking to see the left celebrating this, thinking that this is somehow going to be their redemption, or I, I, I don't know what it is. But man, oh man, uh, it, it, is, it, is, it is rough stuff. And of course, Alex Jones and InfoWars are always the test case with a lot of their uh, corporate fascism and political oppression with the censorship and now the billion-dollar lawsuit that they're now trying to use the precedent against Kanye West and Fox News and others. So Norm Pattis joins me now, the legal representation for Alex in this case. And uh, Norm, I understand there's some developments here on the legal front and um, perhaps some plans moving forward. What updates can you give us today? 
You know, I just finished uh, proofreading the the final version of our petition for a new trial. It's due today, the 10th day after the verdict. And we're working, as soon as I'm off the air here, I'll finish working on our final draft of a, of, of a motion for what's called remitter um, to reduce the verdict on the grounds that the verdict is unsupported by the evidence and is a result of speculation, passion, and anger um, by in violation of the defendant's right to due process of law. So both these motions will be filed today. The plaintiffs are expected to file their motion for punitive damages under CUTPA uh, this afternoon. We'll have some reply briefs due to one another next week. Uh, hearings in early November and then argument on November 7th about what the final judgment in this case should be. But from our perspective, um, Alex Jones Free Speech Systems was um, denied a fair trial and we want a new trial. So there you go. That will be a very interesting thing to keep an eye on. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Exit the Cult. You guys, thank you so much for bearing with me. I know I get passionate and I get heated up. Um, you know, it's just, what can you do? When you kind of look at all these pieces on the table and you kind of research all this stuff that's going on, it, it's, it's hard not to be a little passionate. I'm not going to lie. So um, thanks. If you made it this far, I appreciate you listening all the way through. I'm uh, extremely grateful to have an audience sharing this organically with your friends, your family, whoever you think would be interested in hearing this production. I really appreciate it. Also, Jamie Lee Curtis, if for some reason you come across this podcast, I still love you. Special thanks to Oxygen, Greg Reese, Infowars, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Yee, Tree Publishing, and of course, our badass listeners here at ETC. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please reach out to us at exitthecult at protonmail.com or visit exitthecult.com. As always, be sure to check out the description for show notes and links to articles and videos featured in the episode. Be sure to subscribe over on twitch.tv where I will be doing some occasional live shows in real time. Search Exit the Cult. And remember, have a killer weekend and don't be a killer! If you have an interesting story or information you'd like to share with our listeners, send us an email at exitthecult at protonmail.com. Please help support the show by becoming an Exit the Cult member over on our Patreon page for exclusive content and bonus episodes. Tune in to new shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.